Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Yeah, about six weeks ago, I started looking at the month of April, my calendar, thinking, man, the Lord's really you know, stretched me in this. And then Saturate showed up. <laughs> I was like, I thought I was stressed before. <laughs> there were moments where we thought about crying a little bit. I think, Lance, you had that revelation, too. You might cry a little bit. But something that I learned through this, and we're going to talk a little bit about this tonight, I think, because it, I mean, it has to do with business and our... our uh, we're kind of balling it all in one. So we're going to hit on business, relationships, communication, finances, kind of. It's, yeah, it's a big. A little bit. We're just going to touch on a few things because there's so much more we could say about it. But really, tonight's going to be about testimonies that we've walked through and the transformation that we know is available because that's really what it takes is transformation to move from the world paradigm into the kingdom paradigm. It, it's a. Identity, it's a transformation in your identity. But, what was I going to say? Oh, I didn't have peace putting anything down. Does that make sense? So, sometimes the Lord does stretch you. But, it's what you do in the stretching. There was a scripture that we were kind of focusing on in Kingdom Men, and it was you're going to go through trials, but those trials are going to reveal the genuineness of your faith. So when you're going through these things at work or in relationships, these trials that seem so close to home, because in relationships with people, when you're struggling with them, it, it hurts it hurts you personally in your heart. It's real close to home in relationships. In marriage, we just talked about marriage for two weeks. And in coworkers, you know, people that you spend huge amounts of time with, these trials really hit close to home. And in First Peter, it says, in those, minute, in those moments, the genuineness of your faith is revealed. And it's revealed by, are you continuing to praise? Are you continuing to honor and glory in the revelation of Jesus? through those trials. So that's really what the stretching is, to re reveal the genuineness of your faith. So in that, I didn't really feel like I was supposed to lay anything down until last Sunday. So the girls were like, well, we, we need to worship again soon. I was like, ah, <laughs> you can take my spot worshiping. <laughs> This was a lead worship on Sunday, so. so it was a good opportunity, and I felt released. But all in all, still looking to him for peace in what I'm supposed to do. Am I supposed to push through these trials? Am I supposed to push through what, you know, looks like on paper? Maybe this isn't, this is too much, but it's not too much for him, right? And if you start with him, whatever is built on him is never too much for him. So, in that, 
if you if you feel overwhelmed, if you are seeking the kingdom and you you become like, oh, look at this in the natural. It doesn't make sense, but in the spiritual, he's got it. So just be encouraged by that. Yes, and finding balance in that, because there are plenty of times where it is too much, and you do need to release some things, because you have said yes to too many things. So it's just finding balance and having wisdom in that, yes, and navigating that, because there, yeah, you can get addicted to ministry and the works as well. So, yeah, you got to find balance. And one of the things that kills revival is burnout, right? That's what pastors pastors have been saying that. So. Yeah. So we've been talking about kingdom paradigm, the kingdom paradigm, the difference of how we interpret our experiences in the kingdom versus how they would be interpreted in the world or how we act upon circumstances versus in the kingdom versus how the world might act upon them. And personal transformation from world to kingdom. Yes. And personal transformation. Thank you. I'm your helper. That's what I'm for. Yes. Tim Hawkins has really helped give us a label. <laughs> I'm your She's helper. so helpful. She organized my notes for me. <laughs> no. Uh, well, I'm trying to remember what was on my notes. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's just us, though, too. Like, I got one of those um, drawer organizers for my undies and socks, and I, I wanted one forever. And I finally got one, and I got everything rolled up and organized, and it's like color-coded, and it's categorized, and I show him, and he just starts laughing and walks off, because he thinks it's absolutely absurd that I'm so excited about that. So that would be the difference between us. There's quite a bit. I drove a 20-foot cargo trailer home from the, from the trailer manufacturer. They built it for me. I was as excited about that as she was about her <laughs> underwear organizer. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun. You are very talented in that. He has a CDL. He's a man of many talents. Pastor really calls him baking soda because he can pretty much do anything and everything. <laughs> All right, back to the back to the. But that the has study. to do with my travels through the marketplace. I, you know, I've been in many industries. I've been in many positions. I've had different types of coworkers, bosses in different environments, in different, you know, different parts of the continent, different parts of the world. Um, so just a little background with me, the Lord's brought me through amazing things. I've shared some, some of the amazing things he's done for me at Kingdom End, but he's, done, he's just done amazing things. There's been a lot of transformation, and a lot of it came through work, came through co-workers and interactions and relationships and how do I deal with this and 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 maintain what it looks like to have Christ in me you know or how how do I not do what I've always done before because what I've always done before doesn't work and makes things worse and destroys relationships and and just makes that crevasse that divide even bigger so how do I do how do I not return to that old way or what I've always done before is against God's word it's the exact opposite of what he says to do or it's the exact opposite that's right 
And we're going to learn about some of those opposites that I've recently uh, tackled in, in relationships. But uh, we know from Romans 12, one of the first scriptures we read when we were talking about this kingdom paradigm is not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed. So it really, it really shows that we are not going to have the same paradigm as the world. It's just, um, so what are you doing to be transformed? Do, what parts of your life need to be transformed? And how are you seeking that transformation? Um, that same, I think we, we're going to be in Romans 12 for a little bit tonight. Romans 12, the, pretty much the whole chapter. And then also uh, 1 Timothy 6, that whole chapter. There's a lot about um, just how to operate in, in that, I'm not going to use that Bible. A lot of it's character. Yes. So character. much of it is character. That's a big part of the transformation in business relationship communication. It is your character. So it is that transformation from ungodly character to kingdom character. And so a lot of the scriptures that he's going to be covering tonight. We are going to be covering. We are going to be covering is all about character. And to just also take a personal look and go, ooh, I may not be doing that well yet because we all have room for improvement. Um, so, yeah, character. And finance is one of the biggest divides in a marriage, too. So we're kind of coming out of marriage into something that's going to spread into something more broad. But as one of the major factors in struggling marriages. Um, and in failing businesses. And in failing businesses. But is not managing your finances um, or being fruitful in it. The, the world says it's not managing your finances. But in the kingdom, it's, they're not our finances to manage. They're his finances. So we have to release that concept that these are, these are, this is mine. This is my work. This is my, um, this is what I've created. You know, uh, so often our identity is I'm receiving because of what I have done. But if you look at that, you'll see there are people who are in all different areas of socioeconomic status that work harder or less hard. They might, they might be in, have an inheritance and they don't do anything. So is that because of their hard work or is it because of where they were? You know, God has, he's prepared all of our steps. So we need to be more mindful of this is his, this is where he wants me, this is, there's a contentment factor in there. And part of, oh, what is that scripture? Which one? About content with what you have. Oh, well, honey, I don't know. <laughs> I wrote down everything else except for the ones you keep asking me about. I think that's been pretty consistent so far. Was it in Matthew? It's in Hebrews, okay. Hebrews 13. It's keep your life free from the love of money yes. and be content with what you have. For he has said, 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. So there's this contentment we're supposed to have, and part of that is releasing that finance to him, knowing that he is in control. If we're, Matthew 6, 13, that's the start of all of this or 33. That's the start of all of this kingdom paradigm. That is the, the foundation of the kingdom paradigm. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom, and all this will be added. But what's our priority? The kingdom. Seeking the kingdom first. In the world is seek the provision. Seek money Seek fame and importance and power and security. security. Seek authority. Make something of yourself. But that's not our place to make something of ourselves. God makes something of us. He molds us. He shapes us. He guides us. It's his job to shape us. So in that first seeking the kingdom first, we have to be content with what we have. We have to start with contentment. I will be content in every circumstance. Jaira, you are enough. Yeah, we just sang about that. And that wasn't really planned, so thank you, Lord. He's in it. So starting with contentment and releasing finance to him, now I don't have to carry that burden. So I have more room for peace. Because when you're the one who has to provide, when you're the one who has to create this revenue stream, when you're the one responsible for those things, now there's fear that comes in. Now there's doubt that comes in. Now there's all these attacks that the enemy can throw at you come in because you have now claimed responsibility for what is not your responsibility. It's created a mental health crisis. It's a mental health crisis. It is. Finance is a mental health crisis if you look at it from the world. The world says you are responsible. But your only responsibility, what the, what the Lord wills for us, is that we seek the kingdom first. I think there's a scripture in Ephesians. I wasn't sure why I had it earlier, but I'm going to pull it up. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. wasn't sure how this fits in, but it says, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord is what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, that, that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And that's be being filled. So it's a, it's a continuous action. That's part of your character. Is to, my life is to continuously be, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts. So that's 
the desire. That's one of that's that's part of the will that the Lord has for us is to be able to walk in that type of a lifestyle, which is filled with joy and merriment, not fear and doubt, not crushing financial stress. That's not being. How how can you how can you uh, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody if? You're miserable because you're taking on your someone else's responsibility. You're taking on this responsibility of the Father, of the Provider, of the One who who owns it all. Right? Yeah. Do you want to talk in the microphone? Well, do you want to tell us some of the testimony what that looked like in your life? Well, I didn't have a father growing up, so. I just, it was three boys and my mom, and she didn't have an education, so when we were starting to realize the schemes of the world, all we had was her just busting her tail trying to take care of three growing boys, and I don't know if you know how much a growing boy can eat, but she had three of them. So it was all about she would just work and work and work. She was going to school. She was doing something. She was training. She was working long hours. So I thought, well, that's what you're supposed to do. You're just supposed to work. But we didn't have a lot of money, so I didn't think, well, I'm probably not going to go to college or anything like that, so I'm just going to go to work. And so that was my concept of provision was what I do reflects my provision. What my work is my my job is to create provision and early on um, I got a girl pregnant and had a daughter and my first thought was well I have to now I have to provide for this child so I I dropped out of school and got a full-time job and that was it that was how life that was life working to provide working to provide but never having enough. It was like never enough. From the beginning, it was never enough. I was never, I could never work hard enough. I could never spend enough hours away from the family. It was all, there was always lack. And there's a psalm that says, it says, I'm not sure what the psalm is. I, had, I thought I had it written down, but. It says that uh, something about the, the rich will never have enough or the, the wealthy, their works are never great enough. Like there's, there's never enough. If that's your seeking, it's, there's never going to be enough. If you're seeking riches, if you're seeking wealth, it doesn't matter how much you work, doesn't matter how much you have, there never will be enough. That's what the psalm says, or the proverb Proverbs, says. I was say, it's a this, proverb. That's what yeah, the proverb not, says. It's not this one, but it's a proverb, yeah. But I didn't know that. So I'm just always in lack. So years go by, I still continue, hey, I'm still looking for more, I'm still looking for more. I think I'm supposed to elevate myself. I, maybe I need more status. Maybe I need to have more authority. So I'm trying to get position now, position and money. And it's still not enough. It's still not enough. I eventually get 
Well, we get, we meet, and we get. Well, and I, so when I entered the picture, he was 26 and I was 23, and I started working when I was 15. I couldn't wait to start working. I came from a middle-class family, but I had a father that worked himself to the bone, and that's what you did. I had a stepmother that also did the same thing. My, my mom, my real mom was an amazing, um, she was a professional server, but it was all five-star restaurants, and she worked day and night. Um, and so we just, and we're Alaskans just really instill that, like you work hard for your money. It's all about work. So when we met, I was working three jobs and um, I, like I was all about the money, 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 money. That's all I cared about was security because that's what got just pounded into me growing up. Money, 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 money. Um, and then enter in, yes. So then now we move and I, so then when we got together, I was like, you gotta make money. I put that pressure on him. I was in school, but I couldn't make enough money in going to school, so I ended up dropping out of school and get, getting another you know, full-time job. It was the best job I ever had. I, when we first got married, I was literally at the peak of my financial status. I had never been as well off as we were at that point. And for her, it was the lowest she had ever been. So that was a huge divide for us. Like where she was coming from, I was coming directly out of like the projects and welfare. And for me to be able to sustain a home with a child and my wife and not be on any kind of assistance, I was like, I, my, I was on top of the world at that point. I thought things were going great, working in the right direction. But for her, it was like, I have never had so little. So there was a struggle for uh, between for like for, for not for that many years for a couple of years. <laughs> it felt for like a, a long of, time <laughs> for a couple of years. For her, it felt like a, a long time, but but it was only like it was only like maybe two years, and all my hard work, all my time away from the family, started looking like it was going to pay off. But it was also robbing my family of my time because now I'm in a career that where I'm traveling two, three times a week. I'm out of town on a flight somewhere in Alaska. I'm doing, you know, I made a, a six figures that year, but I was gone. Like my life was work now because that was my provision. I had no room to focus on the Lord, everything when I wanted, when I came home, I just wanted to do nothing, uh, and it was just, and that's such a common, like, scenario, is the father goes away, works hard, long, provides, comes home, is tired, doesn't want to be bothered, you know, doesn't, doesn't have the energy, or, you know, just wants to rest because they got to do the same thing tomorrow. They got to do the same thing next week. So that, that, that started revealing this identity crisis almost, like, wow, this, something's got to change. Yeah. I didn't know what it was, but the Lord knew what it was. So, Fast forward. I hadn't learned anything about um, honoring masters or 
blessing persecutors or any of that stuff. I, I was still working off of this world mentality, still in the world paradigm. And my boss, one of my bosses was an elder at the church. We started going to the church. I got saved. But I was still a carnal Christian, still living in the world, thinking I'm, I'm saved, but, you know, I'm still. Our lifestyle hadn't changed. Our lifestyle, yeah, we looked the same. The only difference was we, we would, accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We accepted Jesus. We went to church, but everything at home, nothing at home changed. My relationships didn't change. I was still part of a heavy metal band that drank and smoked on the weekends, and I was still... Yeah, lots of, lots of partying. Yeah. Just partying all the time, but we went to church on Sunday. So, but my boss, he was an elder at the church, and, you know, things between us were rough. He had a he had a he had built this business. He did talk about how the Lord built his business or how, you know, not that the Lord built his business. I think he really felt like he built his business up, but that the Lord provided when there was lack. So he would always turn he would always his his identity of the father was when I needed something, when I was in need, he was there. But when I when things were good, I created it myself. That was his mentality. We were surrounded by a lot of those mentalities. Yeah. yeah. So the provision was for me, but the Savior was from him, right? Yeah. Um, and things got stressed between us because, I, like, like I said, we were, we were partying a lot. And my, I don't know, I just had, I had different views and different priorities. Um, but he turned to me one day, he sends me a message, and he's like, you know, starts throwing scripture at me, trying to use it to manipulate me. It was like, he was like using it as a management tool. At the time, that's the way I saw it, because he didn't, he didn't look, he, I didn't look at him like a spiritual advisor. I didn't look at him like a mentor. This was my secular boss, who acted secular, who didn't, you know, we didn't like pray together. It, it didn't make sense to me. And then all of a sudden now he's trying to use my f supposed faith. It was a difficult situation. But. Yeah, that's so pardon. So if you're, if you're in management, if you're a boss of something, that's what you don't want to do. You don't want to use scripture to manipulate a situation. You don't want to use scripture to bring about any shame um, or just try to change any direction of employees. And also, um, you know, wisdom, 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 wisdom. It doesn't matter what business you're in, what marketplace, what it looks like. Seek wisdom so that you, if you're a boss, so that you know the spiritual landscape of your employees, so that you know what you can have, you know, you need to know how to be able to speak into them in a way that they will understand and listen. And if you're an employee, you need to seek wisdom to understand the spiritual landscape of those around you so that you can learn um, how to stay righteous in unrighteous situations and, um, and heed to godly character in the midst of something like that instead of lashing out or taking offense with it. So that was really a worldview using tools that he thought would help him in, in his endeavors. 
That was a that was a world paradigm. I'm boss. I'm trying to seek tools that are going to help me direct him. Now, if you ask me now, what would what would it be like in the kingdom? It would be a perfect opportunity for discipleship. For creating that relationship of mentor or, you know, spending time. Hey, can we meet outside of work? Can you do you want to come over and we can, you know, try to create an environment where you can impart wisdom, where it, scripture is received properly, where, you know, there, that's, a king, that's a kingdom thought process there. How do I edify? How do I encourage? Not how do I manipulate? How do I get my way? You see the difference? In the world, they're gonna, in the world there's a lot of manipulation. There's a whole business dedicated to how do you manage people? How do you manipulate them to do what you need them to do? And, but it, but it, in, if you boil it down, it's manipulation. It's tool, how do you use these tools to achieve your goals? But in the kingdom, you want to encourage, edify, let the Lord do the work you just bring a, you just can create a space for him to do his work, right? So that that interaction basically ended that employment there. So here I am without a job and full of addictions, not knowing what to do next, and I ended up getting a job on the North Slope in the oil field in Alaska. So that was a really interesting situation because now I am I am a thousand miles away from home for weeks at a time, surrounded by peop- men mostly in the oil field, which the oil field is full of money and corruption, and it's a it's a world endeavor. What's that? perversion. So now I'm surrounded and I live with these people. But I'm trying to seek the kingdom. I don't know how. I don't have I don't have guidance, but I just I just know that I'm a Christian and I'm not supposed to do these things. But being Christian Yes, Lance. <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm holding myself to a standard that I don't know how to handle or how to create. So it's creating this divide between me and all my coworkers because they're 100% in the world. They have filthy language, like they talk about how their infidelity they you know they just it's it's just in a crazy place it was literally the oil field in the north slope of alaska back in the 70s and 80s was like right off the strip in las vegas like it was it was crazy there was so much money and nobody cared about anything they were just making too much money and didn't know what to do with it so that culture continued through the decades and it's just a very coarse 
atmosphere. So I'm surrounded by it, and I'm coming home miserable. So she's, now she's being affected by it, and I don't know how to change it. I can't change it. I don't know how to change it, but what I found out was that I couldn't change it because of the atmosphere I was surrounded in. I needed to change my atmosphere. I was in the wrong place. There was no way for me to change the atmosphere or the culture. I needed to remove myself from that culture. So you might find yourself in a position where you're just surrounded by the wrong people. You might be in the wrong job. You might have put yourself in the wrong job. And you might need to change your atmosphere. Change your, change your course, correct, do a course correction. Because once my course was corrected, once I was removed from that atmosphere, because I just pushed through. I just kept pushing through, kept pushing through. Things would, you know, the Lord knew what I was trying to do, but my relationships with people around me was just getting worse and worse. My attitudes at home were getting worse and worse. But I just kept pushing through. So the way that I see this, um, the Lord revealed a lot about this, is that there are many people that are in positions in business that they have that they shouldn't be in because they have not been rooted and grounded as a son or a daughter and they have not been filled with the Holy Spirit and power. So they're not able to change the atmosphere or to be a light um, amongst a city on a hill. Instead, the atmosphere changes them and swallows them up. So a lot of times the Lord has to remove you from a diseased atmosphere until you can get rooted and grounded in your identity as a son or a daughter, get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and then then, after that full transformation has taken place, that is when he will use you to re-enter a situation to be a light. You're, then, you, then you get called back into the marketplace. But he will never allow a son or a daughter to stay in a situation where they cannot walk in the fullness of the kingdom and bring heaven to earth in that environment. So if you're not doing that where you're at, then most likely you don't belong there because we are called Matthew. Matthew gives us exactly what we need for the workplace. Matthew 5, listen to this. This is, so, and I'm gonna actually insert the word work, but this is, this is what we're called to be. You are the light of the world. Like a city on, wait, hold on, I gotta read this in NKJV, hold on, sorry. <laughs> you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, and nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. If you are not fully, walking, fully ful lit, fulfilling, fulfilling this scripture, then I just encourage you to seek the Father on that because the slope was swallowing him up and it was also, but it was a lot of me that put him there. I was like, we need insurance, we need 401k, we need retirement, we need security. I need you to go into the slope, into the oil industry because it's going to provide all of those things. So as um, his, his helper, I was helping making him miserable. And then we move here, we're going to fast forward because uh, we're running out of time. But anyway, we fast forward here, but I'm somewhat, I feel somewhat secure because I have 401k, I have health insurance, I, we have a little, like there's, there's, 
on paper, it looks good, right? We had the three-story house. We had the cars. We had the toys. I was working a full-time job. Like, we had all that stuff. And then in this transformation, the but Lord... I want to break in yeah. here. We had all this stuff. I was making the money, but we were still... Broke all in the, the time. red every month. We still didn't have all enough. The time. So that same story from the beginning is coming through this entire time. There's never enough. It doesn't matter how much we work, there's never enough. We have all these things now. There's still never enough. We still end up in the red every month. We're still struggling somehow. So then he moves us here. Daniel, we were only here about I want to say we were less it was less than a year. And um, Daniel, because we had had an encounter with the Lord in Alaska, we sold everything, moved across town. So Daniel was actually turning the slope into the kingdom of God. He was he had kingdom men going on there. He had massive. You can share a little bit about. He had massive transformation skipped, going on the slope. She skipped a transformational part. <laughs> I left off with being surrounded by these terrible people, and she jumps ahead after the transformation. All right. So the Lord Goodbye. opened up a way for me to get out of that environment, away from those people, so that I could focus my attention on him. He literally opened up the most amazing place for me alone for 12 hours a day for three weeks at a time where I can just pour into his word. And that's what I did for over a year, for like two years. Two years I did that. It was just worship and the word, worship and the word. So that's what I, and that's how, still on the slope, slope, but I was alone. I wasn't surrounded by these people. You gave them a pad. I was removed from that situation, from that environment. So I praise him for that. That was an amazing, that was amazing blessing for, from him to give me that opportunity because in that came transformation. In that came desire to seek the kingdom. In that became realization of what the Holy Spirit was and the desire for, for more and the identity of a son and what it meant to be made in the image of God and to be a creative being. Like all these things started to coming together because I was able to basically put myself through college right there at work. So now we're seeking him. We still haven't quite figured out finances. Right. Still in the midst of a lot of transformation. Still in the midst of transformation there. So then now we're where she's, now we're back to her part of the story. Yes. So then um, he gets persecuted up on the slope and he calls me and he's like, I, I think, you know, it's, I think it's time for me to leave. And I was, I was like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> we still have health insurance and 401k. But I couldn't get plugged in here. I wanted to be a part of things here. This was becoming our church family. I wanted to be here. I wanted to be, I couldn't go to the outreaches. I'm going back and forth to Alaska every three weeks for three weeks and at gone a time. For three weeks, yeah. So it was just I could never get enough of this family, and I and I and I one day I was I was coming to the church and I was like, man, I really feel like the Lord's wanting me to come be here full time, but I don't know what that looks like, but I ignored it because I couldn't I couldn't comprehend what that looked like. 
I couldn't imagine leaving what I've been striving for. He had other plans. Yeah, he used that persecution to close the door at the slope. And, and Daniel could have taken, it's a long story, but he's like, it's time for me to leave. And that actually forced two me scriptures, into transformation. Though. There's two scriptures that I learned about. Go. Which one? In Romans 12. I said we were going to be in Romans 12 tonight. Yeah. Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse them. That was one. And then verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So, I'm being lied about. There's this whole controversy over what my character, and there's this big question that's going on, and I just, I, I'm learning, okay, these, I, these people, I can't, I can't curse them. I can't be angry with them. How does that work? And on top of that, I'm not supposed to avenge myself. <laughs> How does that work? It doesn't make any sense. But that's what the scripture says. That's what the kingdom is about. That's his job. He, he, the vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. That's his job. That's written in the word. So I decide he must be calling me here because the only way for me to stay there is to, one, admit to a lie, that, an untruth about myself, which I couldn't do, um, or try to fight it somehow. And neither of those things were lining up with what the Word says. So... I had to trust that it was him, that he was calling me here for a purpose. And in that moment, I came to Alicia and said, I don't think I'm supposed to go back, and she freaked out. Yes, I freaked out, but the Lord used that to bring me into transformation, to break off the worldly perspective that I had, that my husband was the provider. And it forced me into a situation where I got to learn that my father was the provider. So we were in a small group, and he, the day he put in his notice at the slope, because he just wasn't going to go back, because it's a three-week break period, um, we go to small group that night, and um, they offer, somebody there offered him a job. So in the same day that he put in his notice, the Lord opened up the door for that job. And Daniel needed... This job, it was a two-year refining fire season for you. So in the same time, though, this is where Proverbs 3 comes in. We, we realize. So good. I love Proverbs 3 should just be written. Like, you know, a lot of people say lean not on your understanding, so but good. if you read farther down, it says honor the Lord I'm going to read this. It says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be overflowing with new wine. So now we get to tithing. 
And it's not because we're told to. It's not because there's some kind of a, a mandate or rule that we're trying to follow. It's because we want to honor the Lord with our possessions. It's because we want to give him the first fruits of our increase. And it's a desire that starts to come out of you. You, you want to do that. It's an honor and a blessing to do that. So we start tithing. Like we're making the least full amount of tithing. Money. We're not tithing the net. We're tithing the and gross. And we just jump in case right you're in wondering. to tithing consistently. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not only that, but he was also, which... Father, I feel like we're, like, not only were we tithing consistently, but we, he was also having us so, just individually, just street ministry, just things, we were just constantly sewing. In fact, I remember the first, um, well, not the first, but one of the Jesus tents that we were at, we went on a treasure hunt, and Daniel's like, literally was like, this road, this road, this road, this road, this road, somebody there needs money. And he went to the ATM and, like, pulled, and I was like, we don't have any money. And yet you're pulling out, like, all this money to go bless some stranger and like the lord was just constantly taking us on little journeys like that and sure enough this gentleman needed that wad of cash and he broke and it like it was this beautiful thing and the lord just kept doing this stuff and yet we were never in the red ever again once we started it was always paid it was always enough it was always enough and then not only that there were things that he was doing. The math still does not add up. Every single year we're going, how did you do this? Like, how, how did you do this? And it's, it's been, it's just supernatural. The math never adds up. In fact, just to be totally transparent, we were making six figures and we were always in trouble. We made $30,000 one year. The least that amount was the of money. That was that next year when we started tithing. Bottom, like no money. He went to Israel. That was an expensive trip. We went to Alaska. That was an expensive trip, and we got a brand new car. It doesn't add up. Oh, and we got checks in the mail. Then we got a twenty-five hundred dollar check from the IRS from eight years before that they said, "Hey, we happen to do your taxes wrong." Like. Yeah, you know, the IRS say, refigured my taxes so that they could give me thousands of dollars. I, I, we kept that check so that we, like, you have to, you got to keep all of these treasures that what he does. So he started wrecking my mind and transforming my mind. Like, wait a minute, this, like, this is the kind of stuff that happens in the kingdom? Okay, so yeah, that transformation, that renewing, but you have to let go of control you have to let go of your will and you have to be willing to do things that do not make sense and are completely and utterly contradictory to the world and with the way that we were raised and with the way that the world thinks. You have to be willing to walk that narrow road. In and you have to be willing to do that even when your wife doesn't want you to and you're terrified, especially when your wife doesn't want you to. You have to be willing to lead <laughs> your family into righteousness even when she doesn't want you to. But here's the, here's the trick. Or your husband, yes. I was seeking the kingdom first, and she knew that. Yes, She I did. saw that in me. I wasn't tiptoeing around it. I wasn't in the world and in the kingdom. I wasn't one foot in, one foot out. I wasn't dancing around double-minded. I, I was seeking the kingdom first and foremost. So when you do that, that gives your 
partner faith that you're seeking after the right things. So that's uh, that's a huge part of it. If I was half in and half out, I don't understand. I, I wouldn't expect her to trust me. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. So then he he gets an opportunity two years with this business, and this is where the Lord really. I literally saw my husband transform in these two years. And they not say only sometimes that, people are like sandpaper. <laughs> and then you kind of rub. I think this was like a grinding wheel. It was. It really was. It was the refining fire. He was completely and utterly transformed, but it also gave the Lord taught him so much about kingdom business and world business in this and what it looks like when you're in the kingdom, but you're not operating your business as kingdom and that they're compartmentalized and they're double minded. He was surrounded by that, and the Lord really just really gave you so much wisdom and understanding on that landscape, but also taught you how to honor it while you were under it, because he was using that season. So part of being in business in the world is how do I get around these regulations that I'm subject to? How do I get around, how do I get around paying this, or how do I get around being subject to that? How do I avoid the, like, that's literally like most business plans or how do I avoid this? How do I, how do I fix things so it looks like I don't need this? What's my loophole? Constantly looking for loopholes or taking advantage of situations that maybe aren't necessarily 100% accurate. Not that's, doing your work unto the Lord. It's not doing it unto the Lord. It's doing it unto yourself. And not doing your best work. That's a world mentality. You see that in business, trying to get ahead by cutting corners, trying to get ahead, right? That's, that's normal in the world. But I never thought of that as a kingdom mindset or a kingdom perspective because how is that honoring to the authorities that you're, that, that you're under? How is that honoring to, how are you paying things to Caesar that are his? and God's to his when you're trying to avoid it, when you're doing everything you can to avoid it. Does that sound honorable? Does that sound like, um, does that sound like the integrity that the Father wants us to walk in? So in that, I've started becoming very convicted because I've worked with some people now who are in the kingdom but they operate their business as if they're in the world because they still look for those loopholes. They still look for how do I get around? How do I avoid this? How do I, you know, oh, maybe I just won't pay that for a while and see if they catch up to me or, you know, those kind of things. Like, it, it's discouraging to someone who is seeking or someone who's just growing in, who's just growing into that, who's just getting off the milk, trying to eat more meat, trying to learn and grow and change, someone seeking to better themselves, and then they see someone who's so strong in the kingdom, but their business doesn't reflect that. And it was such a beautiful season, though, too, to learn for both of us, to learn how to not judge our brothers and sisters that haven't made that full transition yet and to still love them and to still be able to do ministry with them. So there's a there scripture for that. There has to be transformation in that as well because there's a scripture for the that. The more you get to know people, 
the more you find out there's a lot of people that really need some prayer ministry, they got a lot of skeletons in the closet, or they might be operating in double-minded ways. And we have to learn how do we still run with them, pull kingdom down, pull heaven down, and not judge them or hold that against them. Does that mean that we have to, you know, have like the same social circle? No, but you need to know how to not be offended by that, how to not hold your personal convictions to them, and you have to trust that the Lord will deal with them. Um, yeah, so it was just a season of a lot of, nav- a lot of navigating how to do that, how to keep a pure heart in that situation, and to be quick, for me in particular, very, like, just very quick to not because I would, anyway, just being very quick to not hold that against them. Um, that was really a hard season for me in particular. So this is what really helps me in those moments. And this is Romans 15, 1 and 2. It says that we then, we, we then, who are strong, ought to bear with the scruples of the weak. ESV says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. Let me see this, this other translation here. NLT says, we who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. So being strong means that I am to bear their weakness. It's not for me to point it out to them, but it's for me to bear it and not to please ourselves, it says, it immediately follows that. We then who are strong ought to bear the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. So I am to edify and encourage, not to tear down or destroy someone who may be weaker in the kingdom, or, or maybe they haven't understood yet something that I maybe have had revelation on, right? That's what the scripture is saying. Someone whose understanding is not at your level, someone whose faith is not as strong as yours, someone whose foundation might be a little weaker than yours, you're to encourage them and build them up, not tear them down. Yeah, and Galatians 6 talks a lot about that, and it's just really extending them the Father's grace. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a mirror scripture to what he's talking about um, and, and how you actually restore somebody um, in, into righteousness. So. so that's how you can walk through those situations where you see someone's failings, but you can still love them and have compassion for them. You don't have to lose respect. You don't have to call them on the carpet, right? You don't have to do those things. That's not for us. We're to encourage and edify. And so, and I hear, I hear the Lord saying, so if you're, if you're around, um, you know, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, you know, just be careful what leaders you're following and make sure that they really are um, walking in godly character because another aspect of that is, well, he's so-and-so in the kingdom and he's operating this way, so that gives me license to do the same. Um, and so we really, we really need to check ourselves. It's always about us. What is the Lord convicting me of? What is he doing in me? It is a personal salvation plan. What is the Lord doing in me and calling me into in this situation? It's not about them. 
It's never, ever, ever about what needs to happen in them. It's about what needs to happen in us so that we can be who we need to be around them. The Lord will do the convicting. The Lord will do the transforming. The Lord will do the judging. We need to love them. We need to honor them. We need to respect them. We need to submit to them if they are in authority above us. And we need the Lord to allow us to be changed into a character to where we can do that without grumbling and complaining, without offense, without being angry, without being frustrated, and without our peace being stolen. And so if you're in a situation in that transformation where you're not, where where any of those things are happening, you're dealing with offense all the time, your peace is being stolen, you're grumbling and you're complaining, then you haven't submitted yourself to allow that transformation to take place. Because as that transformation comes, that stuff happens less and less and less and less. The offense may still come, but it's so quickly to be restored. You just release it to them. You ask for his heart for those people, especially bosses. You know, as in, And I had the opportunity to work for a lot of volatile bosses, which was really weird. He, we, I don't, anyway, so, um, you know, just learning how to hold peace in this situation with a lot of hotheads. Um, I just felt like I was supposed to say that. Anyway. So this situation really mirrors kind of the first situation I was talking about where I was working for a believer and he was trying to manipulate me. He was kind of in and out of the kingdom. I was not seeking the kingdom. I didn't even know what the kingdom was. So I was completely carnal still in the world paradigm. And now I'm working for another believer, but I'm seeking the kingdom. I am putting God first. I am learning how to not tear him down, but to encourage. I'm learning now my, my I'm trying to tame, I'm, I mean, I'm capturing my thoughts. I'm, I want to represent love to, to him. So now it's this honor your master, 1 Timothy 6. Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. So I wanted to represent my faith now. Before, I didn't understand what that even meant. I mean, he was my elder, and he was just as much in the world as I was. But now, I'm, I'm seeking the kingdom. And those who have believed, mas- who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. So it's a, it's a totally different scenario because I was able to honor him and do everything, I, and it was, a learn, it was a learning ground for me. How do I interact with people in the kingdom paradigm? I want to represent this character that I read about in the scripture that the word tells me I am. I wanna represent these things. So now this transformation, more transformation is happening. This is just transformation after transformation, continuing to grow in the kingdom. This is not, waking up one day and you're just like, well, I'm just going to live by the Bible now. This is continuously growing and learning. Every time, I would read the same scripture four or five times, and every time I would learn something new because I had transformed into something new. 
So every time I would transform into something new, I would reread it and I would learn something new and transform again and transform again. It's so transformative. It's like you cannot read Romans enough times. <laughs> every time there's something new. So that's really, that's really the transformation. And that, that, that was a catalyst for, for a lot of... of uh, just what it looks like to love somebody where they're at and realizing not to, what, what, what's the uh, scripture in Galatians? Galatians 6. Galatians 5. Oh, you, oh, you're talking about familiar spirits, 16 and 17. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Yeah. Yeah, so that speaks about, you know, walking in the flesh for so long and doing the same things, and now I don't want to do those things anymore, so I have to maintain this walk in the spirit. So how do you change... Your, your relationships at work that you're struggling with? How do you change your relationships with your boss that you're struggling with? How do you change your relationships with your wife that you're struggling with? By walking in the Spirit. Continue to walk in the Spirit, and you won't go back to those old reactions. You won't go back to the old flesh, to that familiar spirit. Yeah, it's like your old man and your new man aren't warring because the old man is dead. Old man dead. We're new, we're new creation, no matter what, new creation. But remember that our, our war is not against flesh and blood, right? So what the enemy does is the enemy brings those familiar spirits. Those f familiar spirits come knocking to entice your flesh to behave the way that it has been because it hasn't had full transformation yet. And so that's why he's always talking about the mind, the mind, the mind. And those that's why I keep talking about familiar spirits because it's not your old man that's warring against your new man. Old man dead. Familiar spirits come and say, you've always behaved this way, so I'm gonna influence you. I'm gonna try to influence you to behave this way. So we have to hold fast to every single thought, take it captive, cast it down to the obedience of Jesus Christ, right? So that's a huge part of that transformation. This is coming, this makes me want to behave this way. This is not godly character. So this has to change. So you have to be diligent and you have to choose to hold fast to those thoughts. And you know what? It might be a recorder. It might be tormenting. It might, but you just keep casting them down. You just keep casting them down. You just keep casting them down. You just keep putting your flesh under the walk of the Spirit, under the power of the Spirit. And then eventually it all becomes quiet and you're no longer being enticed in those ways because it's not working anymore. So I just imagine them getting bored and moving on, but um, I don't know. But, <laughs> but that is what we're talking about, those familiar spirits. It's not old man versus new man. It's just those familiar spirits that come and knock in. So, and we all have them. And sometimes you don't even know it's there. If you've been removed from a situation, you've been removed from a person, and you don't understand that that transformation hasn't taken place yet, um, this is why community is so important. 
That way you're bugged and all of your weak points are hit so that you get to submit all of those areas to the spirit. But you may not even know that you have an issue with somebody with a familiar spirit until you encounter them. And then all of a sudden you're reacting the way that you were five years ago, or you're reacting the way that you were two years ago, or six years ago, or six months ago, and you're like, where the heck did that come from? And you can feel it, you can feel that egg and you can feel it come on. So that's what I'm talking about, that's the familiar spirit, and that's what you have to submit to, um, to the spirit of God, and let him transform you in that. And Does that it, make sense? It takes a lot I, of humility to recognize that was a familiar spirit. At least for me, it does. Because sometimes I'll come home or we'll be in conversation or something will happen and it'll be a familiar conversation or interaction or something, it'll be a trigger. And that, that frustration or that anger that I, uh, that I had dealt with will rise up and I'll feel it. I'll feel this is this is something familiar to me, and I will, I will get aggressive, you know, vocally aggressive. And Alicia will be like, "That's not. I don't it's know. Not from the it's Lord. not from the Lord. I don't know how she does it, but she says something, and it. Tra- I'm not like, I have to real. I have to realize that this is a familiar spirit. I have to cast this out. I have to rebuke this. And sometimes we just. We just speak out a rebuke to this tormenting spirit or this familiar spirit or whatever, you know. Oh, yeah. You have to take authority. We yes. all have that authority because of the blood of Jesus. We can speak to tormenting spirits and rebuke them, cast them out, and they have to leave. So, yes. Yeah. Open your living room up to prayer ministry. It's an amazing place to be transformed by the power of God. Absolutely amazing. And there's a, we're not going to have time to go into anything else tonight, but I, I, there's a couple things that the Lord really put on my heart too. So Matthew, um, Matthew 5, 14 is, no, Matthew 37. It can't be, no, it's got to, hold on. Matt, hold on. It's 537. It's 537? Yeah. All right, so, because I love the Beatitudes. And you want to talk about transformation? Just read the Beatitudes every single day for a couple of months and... It will transform your life. Anyway, I wrote down the wrong thing. But in, um, can you find it for me? Yeah. Um, in the Beatitudes, he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything more than that comes from evil. So another very important character, um, and this is just I think just that's a, a very forgotten part of this verse. A lot of times you hear, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because, but, but they don't hammer that last part. That last part is probably the most important that part. comes from evil. So what I've noticed is that people can be subject to Holy Spirit prompting that allows them to be flaky. And so I really want to encourage you in business and in personal life, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Holy Spirit is not going to contradict God's word. So if you have given your word to do something and you feel like Holy Spirit's telling you to do something different, I just invite you to really seek the Lord on that because it's contradictory to his word. So especially in business, especially in leadership, especially in family, if you say that you are going to do something, you do it. 
And you also need to say no. There are so many people that don't say no that need to say no, and they end up just burned out. So it's, I feel like that's a scripture the Lord really wanted to hit home. And incur, like we are to provoke one another, right, into righteousness. more into righteousness, sanctification, consecration, right? So I also just want us to, I have held quite a few brothers and sisters to this. I'm like, you said you were going to be a part of worship, and it's two days before worship, and you're backing down because you feel like Holy Spirit's telling you that you're not supposed to be a part of it. Um, I don't think that's Holy Spirit. So um, there's been many times where I'm like, I need you to seek the Lord on this. So I just really want to invite all of us to really do that. And it also makes you truly stop and really hold yourself accountable for the words that are coming out of your mouth. Because I was very flippant with words and the Lord has been, it's one of my transformations, is you need to hold fast and be very careful about what you're speaking out. Um, and I also, just on, a, just on a side note, if you guys want to hear some awesome testimonies about business, kingdom business, Chris Ballatin. Literally, for six years, I've listened to everything that he's had out there over and over and over and over again. But he has the best teaching, and he has the best testimonies about kingdom business. And you don't, most people don't know this, but he has been, he was the found, found kind of like he was the founder of Bethel's business and finances. Like, He's just a genius, but he is so humble, and he shares testimonies in a way that really provoke us. Um, it doesn't matter if you're in business or not. It just provokes you into an incredible lifestyle. And also, um, Sean Boltz. Sean Boltz has literally been anointed by God for kingdom finance. He's an incredible resource. There's so much on YouTube. Um, and so if, just if you want to glean from a lot of amazing people that have been anointed and, and have years of experience in those areas, there's, there's a lot to glean from that. Um, so just wanted to encourage you in those. Um, and also, whatever you guys are doing, make sure that your good works are glorifying your Father. I feel like that's like just something right now in this hour. A girlfriend of mine has a saying. She says, is it good or is it God? Is it glorifying your father or is it just good? And so just to hold fast to that and seek wisdom, seek wisdom, seek wisdom, seek wisdom, seek wisdom. Um, and Proverbs is, of course, our, our book of wisdom. So, And we're not going to get into um, communication and we have been talking a little bit about communication. But a little we, bit. We've talked about all those things. All right. But I do want to leave you with a few, um, something that I think is very important. Um, three scriptures. One of them, Romans twelve ten, is be kindly affectionate to one another and brotherly love. In, honoring, in honor, giving preference to one another. So when I read this, that tells me that if I am, I'm to give preference to each one of you, to prefer you versus someone else. That's preference to me. That's what it means to give preference to someone. So in business, I should prefer to do business with my brothers. And it's not a thing about, well, you know, the world's like, well, the lowest bidder, right? It's, you always got to get whoever's going to do it for the least amount of money. 
but that's not the kingdom mindset because it's not my money. It's the Father's money. And we're supposed to bless those who bless us. And, you know, the more you give, the more the Father blesses you. There's like so many scriptures about giving and being generous, generosity. The more generous you are, the more it's paid back to you. There are, I can't tell you how many scriptures there are about being generous. So it's not about the bottom dollar. It's not about trying to make a deal. It's about giving preference to your brother or your sister. And that's been serving me very well. Um, just because there are so many people in our body that do so many different things. There's so many resources here available to you. And anytime you choose to do business with your brother or sister, you're pouring into their life. You're, you're making it possible for them to do the same to someone else. You're sowing into the you're kingdom. You're sowing into the kingdom. So give preference to one another. That's something that's very important in kingdom business. And don't expect a discount. I think that that's part of that, is that you want to value them for their worth. Um, like we should, we should want to give generously to our brothers and sisters. We shouldn't be going, because you're my brother, you're, I get a discount, right? Which is literally, I'm, that's kind of how it works in the world though too. Like it's all about we're friends, so I get everything for free, and we should be the complete opposite. And not only that, but if, anyway, all right, sorry, we're running out of time. It's okay, we're, we're already out of time. <laughs> I have to be careful. So that, that's one point I needed to throw in there. Another point is hammering Romans 15, 1 through 2, bearing with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves, but to build up your neighbor. It's about building up your neighbor. It's about bearing their weakness in relationship and communication. That's going to change how you interact with everyone in your life. That and Ephesians 4. And Ephesians 4 has been a... Oh my goodness. The Lord has just... It's been, unity, a, it's been unity, a part of this unity, entire unity, series. Unity, we, have come back, we have come back to this at least once every night we've done the kingdom paradigm. And because it's so, it, it's so, it, it condenses all these characters' scriptures about who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to interact with each other. It condenses it into a very simple statement, and I'm going to close with this. F Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. There's your character. Walk the way you've been called to walk with all the lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering. Lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering. Those, those really talk, speak into bearing the weaknesses of others and, and being humble. So bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep unity of the Spirit. I don't want to create division between you and me. I want to try to connect, keep that unity. Unity in the spirit, in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope for your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you.